you Mexicans call whack-a-mole, whack-a-mole. If a priest blesses wafers or cornettos, holy. There's a ratatouille in my kitchen, what am I going to do? That's essentially the question that confronts us at the beginning of this episode, listeners. Lottie has written in uh, to say... Ollie, please could you sing some bespoke reggae for me? (laughs) I'm currently a university student uh, and in a fit of procrastination... It is about ratatouille, it just doesn't get there straight away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And in a fit of procrastination and Tesco's basics frustration... Technically, I think it's Sainsbury's Basics, Tesco's value. She's not a student of supermarket uh, low ranges. No, obviously not. Uh, I spent a good few hours last night making a huge pan of really good slow-cooked ratatouille. I couldn't be bothered to go downstairs to the communal fridge. Students. So I triple tinfoiled the pan. Triple. Yeah. That's an insurance policy and belt and braces, isn't it? Uh, And left it on the ledge outside my window to chill in america it'd be an apple pie and some recent escapees <laughs> from a southern jail would take it <laughs> it's funny how i know that cliche even though i don't think i've ever seen that film um so this morning she says i woke up to find some greedy magpie had pecked through the foil leaving a courgette mess how did you know it was a magpie oh. helen answered me this is it too grim to eat this ratatouille now i'm quite slack about these matters i probably would uh, cut out the uh, the bits nearest the beak marks and make sure I reheated it really, really thoroughly. But I'm not sure I would counsel other people to do that because it's different uh, suggesting somebody else uh, damages their health. Yeah, but the, this is the thing, isn't it? And there's always this gulf, isn't there, between the advice that's doled out by government agencies and uh, responsible chefs on TV programmes yeah. and the reality, which is if you do drop it on the floor, you're probably going to eat it. If the butter's been out for a while, you're probably going to eat it. If the sell-by date was a few days ago, you're probably going to eat it. But you have to take that responsibility on yourself. We're not going to say here on the podcast yes Lottie eat something that a bird might have shat in (laughs) if you're asking me would I eat it yes I would if you're asking me would I advise you to eat it no I can't honestly do that do you think the magpie went for it because magpies traditionally like shiny things and it was covered in a triple layer of foil actually yes Yes. could have created your own worst nightmare there by this uh triple layering this woman needs to get some Tupperware although I know that birds do go for food generally when the opportunity strikes regardless of whether there's uh, foil there or not they operate on their own terms don't they birds a friend of mine was staying recently in a uh, two star hotel resort in Mexico uh, where they had a budget breakfast buffet two stars presumably is not that delightful well you know it was an all inclusive resort uh, so it came with eat as much as you like horrible crap (laughs) and apparently at the breakfast buffet every morning I'm about to say something that will sound like an antiquated racist phrase but it isn't it is real at the breakfast buffet every morning a hog faced coon used to eat their food and what is one of those it's a kind of raccoon yeah it's a special raccoon with the face of a pig that they have in this part of Mexico what yeah and every time someone would go up to get something more from the breakfast buffet because they're a sucker for punishment a hog-faced coon would come and eat some of their food maybe the hog-faced coon was a guest well they'd paid their two-star money they're getting (laughs) their value it's possible the thomas cook website's very easy to use these days um but anyway he'd see the hog-faced coon come up and eat their food and not say anything to his fellow uh hotel guests but he said one morning he saw someone came up with got some like eggs and chips or something Mm. put them down went up to go and get some fruit salad 
hog-faced coon came, had a good like ruffle around, snaffled through all of it, put its horrible muddy paws and everything, oh. then went down. Wouldn't normally say anything, but then a bird came and ate it as well. And at that point, because it had the hog-faced coon and the bird, he felt compelled to say, look, you've just had two animals on your yeah. plate. You really probably shouldn't eat that. Hello, hello, Nolly. It's Tom here from Pill near Bristol. Just watching a bit of late night TV and Aunt Bessie's claim that Aunt Bessie's roast potatoes are the nation's favourite roast potatoes. That seems a bit odd because... I've never bought an Aunt Bessie's roast potato and I've only ever made my own and they're probably much nicer because my mum used to make them and they're pretty horrible. If you can answer me that, that'd be great. How do Aunt Bessie's know that Aunt Bessie's roast potatoes are the best roast potatoes? Because I think that's just nonsense. I imagine that they justify this claim simply by saying that they are, um, according to supermarket sales data, the most popular selling pre-packaged frozen roast potato. I've never bought a pre-made roast potato because... It's just cutting a potato in half, putting some oil in it and putting it in the oven, parboiling yeah. if you can be bothered. That is a very simple process yeah. that you can do whilst your other things are cooking. Well, you don't even have to peel them, do you? If no. I may speak up in favour of Aunt Bessie, uh, yes. I have bought the honey-glazed parsnips. That is parsnips um, cut in half with some honey on them I and know, put in the oven. But the reason for that is my girlfriend doesn't eat parsnips. She won't abide parsnips. So mm. when she's doing a roast... She won't think to go and buy some parsnips. And you can't buy your own parsnips? No, well, all I've got is my own little supply of parsnips in the freezer so that when the day comes, when she's doing a Sunday roast, that sounds like it's sexist, like I don't do the cooking, I do, but she does the roasting. I (laughs) slip in... I slip in a few honey glazed parsnips on the tray. They're just for me, just enough for me, just a handful, just three or four. But, you know, you could buy your own parsnips, make honey glazed parsnips and keep them in the freezer and then... You're, yeah, you are your own Aunt Bessie, you yeah. see, because you could cook those at the same time as you're roasting something else, like your tuna pasta bake or whatever it is you use your oven for. <laughs> Martin, would you yeah. rather shag Aunt Bessie... <laughs> or a Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> or Mrs Ellswood? Who's Mrs Ellswood? She's the, the hottie of gherkins. Dill pickles. Who is Aunt Bessie? What does Aunt Bessie look like? Okay, Aunt Bessie is old-fashioned Yorkshire housewife, but right. not as fat as that would suggest. Right. Mrs Ellswood is kind of turn of the 20th century Jewish housewife sort of looks a bit like Ruby Wax but 10 years younger or just to add into the mix what yeah. about that woman that is the face of Grasmere Gingerbread oh Sarah Sarah Nelson's Sarah Gingerbread yeah. yeah I don't know who any of these people are <laughs> the gingerbread woman will stink of butter and sugar yeah oh, which is right, cloying yeah. it's would, cloying that would would that do that, it for that you? That would turn me on. I think Mrs Ellswood would be a better lay well of course you do Ollie because uh, you do love a Jewish lady but I'd shag Aunt Bessie and the reasons for that, I think, speak to the popularity of the roast potatoes. I would mm. shag Aunt Bessie because I would, in the back of my mind, think if this turned into a long-term relationship... Uh-huh. Oh, potatoes. I the potatoes I want. She might even do me some parsnips. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Mrs Ellswood, she might be a bit sour. Literally like sour. Okay, How so many pickles can you have in your life? Isn't Aunt Bessie probably fictional anyway? Is yeah, Mrs Ellswood real? They're, no, they're both fictional. Huh. Those are corporate conglomerates. Would you actually yeah. be having sex with a CEO? I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't want to shag a board of men in suits in Hull. <laughs> Look, why don't you see how your career goes, Ollie? <laughs> Could be a bit requiem for a dream in a few years. You never know. Here's another question of food from Robert, who says, Ollie, answer me this. Whose responsibility is it to place the divider between shopping items at the supermarket checkout? <laughs> the person in front or the person behind? Also, if something rolls beyond the divider, is it acceptable to touch someone else's shopping to place it back? Okay. I, I think the latter is acceptable. I think that's just politeness, isn't it? They know that you're not trying to steal things, that you're just trying to rectify a bad situation. There should be absolutely no issue with you touching someone else's food inadvertently for a second. To get your grapefruit back that's To make it clear, yeah, to make it clear where the line is. He's 
obviously overthinking this matter. And no, you don't say. <laughs> he thinks that his behaviour has far greater impact. Obviously, the divider thing is just who it's a greater priority for. Whilst we're on this subject, which we'll literally never return to ever I again. I do hope In so. real life or on the air. <laughs> well, I just want to say, who, literally who, ever, has used the divider indentation for where you dock your credit card? Oh, no one's ever used that. Never even noticed that. There used to be in the early days when Club Card and Nectar Card launched. Yeah, they even used to say, "Put your Club Card here." Like, honestly, how anal do you think I am? I'll give it to you when I'm about to pay. That's obviously the time that you need it. I'm not getting my wallet out at the beginning and the end. Exactly. That's pure madness. What kind of corporate slave do you think I am that I'm going to dock my <laughs> credit card in the divider? If one of you listeners is the person that invented that, please write You're in. An and idiot. Te- te- well, tell us whether it was actually a roaring success and it wasn't designed to appeal <laughs> to the mind of Ollie Mann, but other people love it. Uh, well, here's a question from Lita from Minnesota. Uh, she says, I have absolutely awful posture from leaning over my computer desk all day i imagine that's awful posture from leaning over it as in sitting in a chair and crouching forward rather than leaning over provocatively the whole desk i don't know what you imagine her occupation to be <laughs> well actually a provocative stretch is actually quite a good stretch for your lower back isn't it if you stretch mm. your whole body down from Where the, hips. the bob cratchit hunch not yeah, so good not so, not so cool uh, and i know she continues that having bad posture can have seriously negative long-term effects on my back and neck Quite right. Uh, It's been incredibly challenging to pay attention to my posture throughout the day. I'm finding it hard to make a positive adjustment to my posture habits. I find myself wishing there was something that could keep my lower back straight long enough to train me into the correct position for my back. Maybe you could strap yourself onto one of those gurneys that they have Hannibal Lecter on when he's wearing the hockey mask and they're transferring him between prisons. Uh, So Helen answered me this. Could a corset help improve my posture and what are the negative effects of wearing a corset daily but not taking part in tight lacing oh it's good she's not taking part in tight lacing because that's the thing that crushes your organs uh but otherwise uh actually it's not too bad uh, it can help strengthen your core mm. and you are sitting up straight all the time it may apply a bit too much pressure on your pelvic floor which uh could be problematic in childbirth or with continence oh that's something to bear in mind yes but not too much if you're not tight lacing it's not too bad uh, and also it may make you eat healthier because if you're wearing a corset you're a bit restricted so you don't want to feel bloated or over full and so maybe it will have quite a lot of health benefits still processing what you said about it could could cause not too much of a problem for continence I mean either it is or isn't a problem just for a little dribble <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure you really want to be on that scale at all if you can avoid yeah. it but apparently and I would have thought that the greatest health problem would probably be skin irritation like if you're sweating in the corset in summer Ugh. it's not breathable yeah. uh, also there can be emotional benefits to wearing a corset because uh, the increase in your stature often improves uh, confidence and authority and also the feeling of kind of confinement can be very reassuring to some people who suffer from anxiety and the same principle as the kind of hugging machines work on autistic children wow all of this though Lita, i would say should be your last minute recourse shouldn't it you should try other things first stretches and so on before you well pilates or something yeah do yoga and pilates and the room is full of hotties that song american life i heard american life for the first time in 10 years the other day is still properly funny <laughs> so it stands up the, the, I think the, it's rap, the worst thing i've ever heard the rap, i drive my mini cooper and i'm feeling super duper <laughs> fucking brilliant even robbie williams would struggle to beat that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is what is it um i'm not a christian and i'm not a jew how does yeah. that bit go i'd like to 
something my own point of view. Yeah. I'm not a Christian and I'm not a Jew. But she practices Kabbalah, which is a branch of Judaism. Yeah, well, well, and she was it, raised Catholic, so she's kind of both those things. No, but she's making the point, Alan, that she's neither. She's her own special oh. thing. Got a nanny and a butler and a lawyer and a chef. It's a brilliant comedy song, is what it is. But anyway, yeah, Madonna was a corset wearer and she seems to have very erect carriage now, so she's in her 50s. But Well, exactly. Proof. But, well, no, because she, as she says in the song, she does yoga and Pilates as well. And the room is full of hotties. And the room is full of hotties. Is, is that because she's doing uh, the Bikram yoga where they do it in a hot room? Then it is really hot, isn't it? Can we stop talking about Madonna? It's making me really angry. <laughs> I do Pilates. Uh, the room is not normally full of Pilates. <laughs> normally full of other men like me who are a bit out of shape and in their 30s and one pregnant woman. Um, and when I do... That doesn't wrap so well. Um, but, but when I do Pilates... Um, but it's mostly good apart from... There's one thing where you have to lie flat on your face on a hard floor. Mm-hmm. There's the issue that lying flat is uncomfortable anyway because you're squidging your willy up basically okay then if you're a glasses wearer which i am you then have to take your specs off as well so you can't see god otherwise the glass digs into your eyes Mm. and then if you've got quite a big nose like i have also very uncomfortable (laughs) maybe pilates is not for you so i'm just thinking the whole way through that one well i'm not thinking i'm the room's full of hotties and i'm satisfied you're thinking my face is getting squashed as is my penis exactly you and madonna are really different i've got a question email your question to answer me this podcast at googlemail.com 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 Well, listeners, just by dint of the fact that you've got even this far into this episode of the show, we know that you love hours of free entertainment. Yeah, if that is you, then... it's probably you. Then prepare yourself for some incredibly excellent news. Yes. Because you know Love Film, right? That service whereby you can stream films. It's like Netflix, but British. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listeners, the kind people of Love Film are offering you all a month's free trial of Love Film, which means you can just gorge on stuff you haven't had to pay for or stream illegally. And then you can just cancel it at any time you want. That's right. So normally it costs four ninety nine a month to be a member of Love Film Instant, which means you literally hours and hours you can stream on yeah. your iPad for free forever. I've just got it as part of this trial, and it's like having all of the seatback entertainment on a plane, but all the time. <laughs> uh, so what you do is you sign up to the free trial for a month. Then after the month, if you don't want to carry on and pay £4.99 a month, you can just cancel and you, your credit card will not be charged a single penny. If you want this, listeners, and I don't understand why you wouldn't. I, I actually don't understand Unless you already have Love Film, in which case maybe you have a different email address that you could sign up with, yeah. then uh, go to answermethispodcast.com slash lovefilm. Love and we're not just keen on this in an altruistic way because we love you to have free entertainment. We also get a little bit of money per person who signs up. Even if you cancel after one month of watching all of the West Wing, there really is nothing to lose here. There is a lot of West Wing on there. There's a lot of American Office. And there's also a playlist called Something Saucy. One of them is a 1999 comedy thriller film called Come to Live as in C-U-M. Wow. Nude nuns with big guns. Right. I don't know what more inducement you need <laughs> to sign up to our love film trial. Watch it for next week and report back. Kinky Killers, one and a half stars. This is a strong playlist, <laughs> sounds guys. amazing. Answer me this, podcast.com slash lovefilm. Speaking of films, which we love, here is a question from Jamie who says, I'm casting child actors in a TV show which is filming all over the UK. 
Because of budget restrictions and the amount of travel away from home, the child actors are chaperoned by their parents rather than licensed chaperones. This is obviously a good thing, Mm. since the children are happier and the parents get the thrill, pride and general happiness of seeing their child do well. I'm not sure. Seeing their child make money. (laughs) I'm not sure if I was a child actor whether I wouldn't relish the opportunity to be away from my parents. Obviously every child's different. You were a child actor. Well, I was in in a a fringe theatre production of Macbeth. With your mum. With my mum for five alternate nights a week for three weeks. But I just wonder whether some child actors would do better without their parents being there. Some might feel restricted and constrained by their parents. Well, this is what Jamie is wondering too, because Jamie says, Unfortunately, having run the auditions, there are a handful of children who, though perfect for the role, come with parents who are simply terrible! (laughs) Once we managed to detach the child from the overprotective, rude and obnoxious parent, they excelled. But a few days on set with a parent who constantly gets in the way, doesn't understand how to behave and is generally unpleasant will be a serious knock to morale, especially since we will be shooting in difficult locations such as mountains and forests. Difficult or easy places to bury a body. (laughs) (laughs) So, Ollie, answer me this. Is it okay to take away a child's chance of getting a good part in a TV show just because their parent is a twat? Yes, I I think that's totally fine. This is very much like when I used to work at Ticketmaster and I sometimes used to hang up on people because I didn't understand them. That wasn't the right (laughs) thing to do, but I did it knowing that really the next 10 minutes I wasn't being paid enough for and I probably wasn't going to be able to help them. Right. So, you know, that's an immature and despicable attitude. You're making a selfish decision, but if you're aware that you're doing that, I don't think that's wrong from time to time. This is also somewhat Jamie's fault because had they gone for the official chaperones who had been personality tested, they wouldn't be in this mess. Yes. I mean, they've got the money to throw at a mountain location. They can probably pay somebody 50 quid a day to stare at a child actor. On the other hand, these are people you've got to work with. If someone had a very difficult agent and they were an adult actor, you might well say, well, I like working with an actor, but their agent is so difficult to work with, I'm not going to do that again. Yes. Exactly it's right. just the same. Or an incompetent manager, you know, yeah. who knew it was going to be really problematic. Yeah. I think very often as well, casting directors will go for an actor that may not be the most inspirational actor, but they will turn up on time and nice they'll not waste the production yeah, money by being strung out on drugs and therefore five hours later. Well, you see, I sometimes, there are some people's careers where you sort of think, well, they're good enough, aren't they? But why are they who they are? And the conclusion must be that they must be great to have on set. Like someone like mm. James McAvoy. Like, he's fine, isn't he? He's absolutely fine. Apparently he's a lovely fellow. But the, he, he would have to be because the talent isn't there in enough droves I think for we, him to be a horrible man. I think people are going to be very upset that you have cast any aspersion on James McAvoy. Really? People bloody love James McAvoy. He yeah. seems very nice. Though. He seems like the kind of person you'd go for a beer with. But, you know, why cast him as every man, every man? Simon Pegg <laughs> as well. He's probably very easy to have around. Yeah. He's not got the range. Uh, John Travolta apparently would only be on a set five hours a day, which is not long enough to do anything. Particularly when he had to swap faces with Nicolas Cage all those times. <laughs> well, <laughs> And bum all those men. Well, this is the thing. Like, um, <laughs> even if someone's partner is irritating, that's a reason not to bring sometimes to cast someone, I should think. Um, sorry to return to her, Martin, but Madonna. You know, mm. there's, I reckon there are gigs Guy Ritchie didn't get. Because people thought, oh, He's yes. going to bring his wife to dinner. Yeah. Oh, you know, yes, she's is... not Christian and she's not a Jew. <laughs> <laughs> what will we feed her? <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, this is good for the publicity for the film. Mm. But do you really want to have to deal with Madonna and her children on the set? Because well, that's going to cost millions, isn't it? Well, actually, also, uh, Ben Affleck has been quite outspoken about the fact that his relationship with Jennifer Lopez pretty much destroyed his career. Yes, and yeah, everyone yeah, yeah, just thought yeah. he was completely rubbish for was 10 years. With precocious uh, child actor parents, though, mm. I still think... The important thing is to get the best actor. 
I mean, you, I think you should only really go through with this step, Jamie, of not casting the best actor if the second best actor is almost as good. Yeah. Because or really... 80% as good. Although there is this cliche of stage school parents mm. who are difficult, it's quite important that the parents have an element of managing their children's careers because otherwise they can go off the rails completely. Here's a question from Daniel from West Sussex who says, When Google's logo changes for a special occasion or anniversary of something or someone, I'm always very interested and or amused. Good. Good. That's what it's for, isn't it? Yeah. So, Ollie, answer me this. What was the first special Google logo creation for? And does someone have a job just simply to create them? Not just someone. Some team. A team of, what, 13, I think it is, isn't it? There is a team of doodlers. Google doodlers, Daniel. Uh, and they recently uh, actually put a job application out that got written <gasps> about in the press as if that itself was a news story. Get on it, Daniel, it could be you! <laughs> because I guess so many people do want that job. And so, so many people are interested and or amused by the Google doodles. Correct, yes. and want to create interest and or amusement. Watch and learn, Bing. Gonna um, have to up your game. So, uh, what would they be, the Bing things or something? <laughs> Bingalings, doodles of celebrities with big dings. Big dings. Or wings. Yeah. The Bing wings. <laughs> um, or a Bing sling. What, celebrities who've been injured? Yeah. Right, yeah. great. Just two people called Bing. I mean, they'd run out after Bing Crosby. And Charlie Bing. Bing. And Bing, the child of uh, Kate Hudson and Matt Bellamy of Muse. And Bada Bing from The Sopranos. Not a person, but a location. Whatever, they're going to run out within the week. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, but, you know, like Beats by Dre gave all of the Olympians free earphones and then they dutifully wore them just before they dived into the swimming pool. Fancy that. Uh, maybe Bing could hand out slings. And before you know it, every time a celebrity injures themselves, they would be papped wearing their Bing sling. Microsoft are thinking, hey, they're, they're advising that we associate our search engine with injury. I don't think that's very good at all. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, the very first Google Doodle mm-hmm. uh, was in 1998. Um, I didn't even use the internet then, didn't have the capacity. Wasn't it you who said that you found out about Google through me? Yeah, you were the first person I ever saw using Google. That's so weird. It was sensational. That is a significant moment in our lives. There I was, utilising the technology which should allow listeners to email us in future life. Early adopter, Ollie Mann. The first one, anyway, was for the Burning Man Festival in 1998. Yes. Uh, which nowadays wouldn't qualify, would it? Oh, I think it would. I don't but... even like the 50th anniversary of Burning Man, but not just a festival. No, but sometimes they do the 161st anniversary of the publication yeah. of a book. So. But that's shit when they do that. Like, they did one for uh, the 122nd birthday of Charlie Chaplin. Hey, 122nd is a real landmark. That's just... It obviously was the case that someone in the team was like, hey, guys, I've got a really cool idea for a video for Charlie Chaplin's birthday. Let's do it for his 125th birthday. Oh, let's not. I can't sit on it for four years. Bing might steal it. So they did it. <laughs> 122nd. But that's not an anniversary, is it? Whereas 50th anniversary of Lego, that was quite a good one, I thought. Yeah, but you can't always have the uh, the big anniversaries. If you're trying to do several hundred of these a year, mm. and they do them for different 250, countries as well. 250 a year. But some of them must be more difficult than others as well, the ones that involve animation and taking you through to a little game and yeah. all of that. There is an internal department, anyway, that does these things that is headed up by Dennis Huang, uh, who has been doing them for 13 years. Wow. He was an intern at Google, and then he uh, ended up taking over the doodles when he came up with an idea for a couple of them. Uh, and there is a line in his Wikipedia biog, which I believe is probably self-written, uh, because <laughs> it talks about the high school that he went to. Right. And then it says, his doodles during these years were frowned upon but are now his source of income and pleasure. So (laughs) fuck you! Exactly. Isn't that so bitter? (laughs) They might have got that from an interview, though. Mm. There are some Wikipedia pages where it obviously has been cut and pasted from quite a crappy source. I remember reading Mm. the one for Broadchurch, whilst Broadchurch was still being broadcast. By now, they might have put spoilers up because it's finished. Mm. And for every character, it was like, 
but does he know something about the murder? <laughs> yeah. Bob is the town policeman, but does he have a secret he's not telling anyone? Yeah. Not dictionary level sourcing, I'm saying. No, there's a problem, writing. isn't it, with crowdsourcing? Yeah, but you need to rewrite it in the correct style where it's a bit dry. When Albert Einstein was at school, <laughs> people used to criticise him for his misuse of the word relativity, but he had his own back. <laughs> but does he have a secret he's not telling? <laughs> in this time of purse strings tightening, the internet's a smorgasbord of fabulous free things, like... Showbiz news, no need for magazines stalking your old school friends. Videos of fat kids falling over, stealing films and music. Sharing photos of your nan, filing your tax return. But by far my favourite free thing to type is answer me this into Skype. Here's a question from Tom from Colchester, who says, In the past, I've seen polling stations in schools, church halls, libraries, bowls clubs, and a variety of other places. What a man of the world you are. But, Ollie, answer me this. Is there a rule about specific locations of polling stations? There are plenty. For instance, must sharpen pencils to a particular <laughs> standard. Yeah. And only HB pencils, no 2B, they'll smudge. Which is weird that it's pencils at all. Surely pencils you can rub out. It should be pens. Yeah, I always think this. The pens would run out and break all the time. <sighs> and, says Tom, could I register my house as a polling station to avoid having to leave the living room on election day? Not for that reason. Why no. don't you do postal votes if that's what you want? Or exactly. Soon they'll be online or text voting. Yeah. No, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, the postal vote is effectively registering your house as a polling station, isn't it? Uh, whereas if you actually wanted other people to come to your house... That is a lot of admin, because you have to have all these people who are volunteering, and they man the doors, and they set up all those screens. Exactly. Oh. It's a legislative nightmare. And the thing is, you, you can't just apply to have your place be a polling place. Um, <laughs> what happens is every four years, your local council reviews all of the polling districts and mm-hmm. polling places. Uh, as part of that review, they look into accessibility, they look into any possible accusations of corruption, mm-hmm. and they assess whether there's any uh, indication that people were led in a particular political persuasion. Uh, so, for example, you may have a very well-kitted-out Conservative Association headquarters <laughs> or Working Man's Club, but those would be inappropriate places to have a polling booth. I suppose um, it would seem a little bit influential. would little, seem a little bit biased. Mm. Uh, so your house... Uh, is unlikely to be free from political persuasion in the way that a school hall is. Oh, but bowls clubs, come on, they're hotbeds of communism. <laughs> um, so uh, it's unlikely that your local council, in reviewing the polling stations they currently have, would be identifying mm-hmm. issues that your house would be the answer to. Okay. And therefore, even if you wrote to them saying, could you please consider my house, I think it's unlikely that you'd be the backup choice. Maybe if you lived in a remote village where there were not that many residents and very few public spaces and you had the biggest house, I then think, they'd let you. I think that's right. I think Colchester isn't that place, though, sadly. It seems quite busy. It does. And there's a university there. That's got a lot of room. Yeah, that's right. Also, there are uh, very specific rules about once you've chosen the destination for the polling place to be, mm. uh, how the room is laid out. There is a 50-page PDF on this matter. Why can't they just do a single-page diagram? (laughs) Well, to be fair, the diagrams themselves, if you cut them out and pasted them onto one page, would be a page. Mm. Um, But there's a lot of supplementary information. Uh, For example, uh, the polling booths themselves need to be arranged to ensure that they're accessible to voters, yet fully visible 
to polling station staff right, so, whilst maintaining the secrecy of the vote. So no funny business. Exactly. Like, I don't want people to be able to get frisky in there. Which it needs to be best use of light yep. as well. Yes, yes. So, you know... It, it, so you don't vote for the wrong person because it's so dark. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and um, the most important thing is the secrecy. Mm. Um, so again, in a private residence, how do you guarantee that you haven't wired the place with weird cameras? But it says in the guidebook that if on the day the key holder hasn't turned up, this apparently happens, you know, once every general election somewhere in the country. That's a democratic nightmare. The keyholder will be asleep and not make it. Or dead. Um, if that, or dead, yeah, yeah I guess, across cops, the country. Yeah. Quite old <laughs> yeah. administrators. Uh, if that happens, uh, it says the most important thing is the right of the public to vote from 7am mm-hmm. and the secrecy. Uh, so they would recommend in that situation using a car. Use someone's okay. private wow. car because it maintains secrecy yeah. uh, and the public can vote from 7am. That is effectively private property, isn't it? So in yeah. dire circumstances, perhaps your house could be used. Yeah. but Or you could set up one of those um, booth-sized tents that people use for getting changed on the beach. I'm not need to have those in reserve, though, are you? Yeah, but you could pop up to a pound shop and buy one now. They're... At 7am? Um, mm, see? Tricky. Tricky. Use a car. Maybe they need to supply one of those along with the ballot boxes. <laughs> maybe. Or maybe car is just sensible, Helen. And if, if the polling station is in a school, does that mean that the pupils get the day off? I no, I don't think it does, actually. Yeah. No. I think it means that they can't get into their assembly room for a day. Oh, what a tragedy. Well, how did you feel about school assembly? Because sometimes it was the highlight of the day, but you don't know that until the day is finished. There was a girl that was I was a friend with at school that used to wank off her boyfriend in assembly. Wow. That was not nice for whoever was sitting next to them. I never sat next to her or in front. Anyway, uh, we always like to leave you with an image to take home. And uh, mm. that's what we're going with this week. So uh, sorry about thank that. thank us. <laughs> it's fine. It's part of the service. Um, but we will thank you if, uh, as we said earlier, you take out our Love Film free trial. And we will also thank you if you send us your questions. Yes, indeed. Of course. And all of our contact details are on our website, answermethispodcast.com. Slash Love Film if you want the aforementioned offer for your freebies and also on the website you can find out how to buy our classic episodes our apps our merchandise and our book so if you like paying for entertainment as well as receiving it for free we are happy to equip you on that (laughs) score as well you are so lucky listeners Uh, and uh, we will see you next week bye bye